to say when they overpromise and underdeliver. Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach over at choosetohaveitall.com. And it feels like another episode where you get a mindset lesson in real time as I manage my move. Uh, try saying that one five times fast. Um, so my husband and I are in the middle of a cross-country move. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of service providers involved. We need a real estate agent. We need a stager to get our place ready to sell presented in a way that sets it up for optimal success. We had a painter and a handyman and all kinds of service people working with us as we get our home ready to sell. And what I'm learning in real time is what to say when they overpromise and underdeliver. I'm not really one of those people who gets on the horn, so to speak, and complains every time service doesn't meet expectations or any time, you know, the wrong order has been delivered to me. Usually, if it's not that big of a deal, I let it go. And I recognize a lot of times with, you know, personal development issues that so much of it comes down to boundaries all the time. It'll end up coming down to managing vulnerability or managing boundaries because we need to know who we are, how we move through the world and what we deserve and how we expect to be treated because we basically really do teach people how to treat us. And if we let mistreatment go, if we get our boundaries crossed and we don't say anything. We're giving people permission to do it again, even when it's people we'll never see again. And I think that's why it's easy for people when they're experiencing bad service, when they haven't been delivered the promises that they were expected to be delivered, it's easy to let it go. I actually don't think the right word in this situation, even though people will say it's just easier not to put up a fight, you know, I'll just let it go. I don't think the word is easy when we're having this conversation. I think it's safe. It feels safer to stay quiet. It feels safer to not say anything, to find your own workaround, to not create a conflict, because we can worry a little bit about how we're perceived. We can worry that the thing that we're complaining about isn't deserving of a complaint, that our standards are too high, we're being too picky, or we're creating problems for ourselves down the line. I hear a lot of these doubts and questions get raised for people every time they buy a new product or service that they're not happy with the results with. And now I'm living that in real time. And I was thinking about how automatic it was for me that like we just need to get on the phone and we need to tell people. So first it was our stager. She was, our realtor had led us to believe she was going to do X, Y, and Z and she didn't. So I needed to let the realtor know like, Hey, you told me the stager was going to do X, Y, and Z. She hasn't. And then the painter said he was going to do A, B, and C and he only did A and B. So I had to get on the horn and say, Hey, what about C? And then this last time was a biggie. Um, we paid and invested in getting the floors of our two-bedroom condo um, cleaned entirely. So it's two bedrooms that were supposed to be steam cleaned, hardwood floors in the open areas, as well as tile and grout in two bathrooms. So a large investment. And the company did a shit job, a really shit job. And it was a 
immediately apparent that not only did they do a crap job, I was going to have to get on the horn and say something, but also, too, it was going to put us back in terms of when we can get our home on the market. And immediately the question became like, well, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe we can let it go. Maybe I should just double check with the realtor. And immediately, because the natural consequence of delaying the start of selling the home was at play, suddenly I wasn't so sure I was going to say something. And that's how it happens, my friends. We let those doubts creep in and they take away our voice. I've got some words for you on the other side of this, so stay tuned. Those doubts and second guessing really can creep up so gosh darn easily. The first thing that I started to think to myself is, oh my gosh, what's the realtor going to think of me? First I complained about the stager, then I complained about the painter, and now I'm putting in a complaint about the carpet cleaners. She must think X, Y, and Z about me. And suddenly I was worried about my own self-perception. And the story I created was, oh, I'm a nagger, I'm a whiner, I'm a complainer. And I caught myself in the moment. It's a good thing I'm a mindset coach, right? But I caught myself going, why isn't this story, this is a woman who knows what she's paid for. This is a woman who knows what she expects. This is a woman who knows her boundaries. Why wasn't that my immediate story? Because I don't think when we stand up for ourselves and speak to the products and services we expect at the level that we expect them, I don't think that's something that's celebrated or recognized. Think about being at a restaurant. There's four people sitting at a table. It's you and three of your friends. And somebody's order isn't right. Who is willing to complain and say something and just say to the waiter, hey, you might not realize it, but I ordered asparagus and this came with sweet potatoes instead or whatever. Is everybody at the table going to universally agree that that's worth bringing up? Or are some people going to say, hey, at least you got a vegetable? Are people going to avoid eye contact, look down, start to feel shy, take an excuse to go to the bathroom? All of that. Those are the types of things and feelings and experiences that come up with when somebody says, I'm raising my hand and saying not good enough. It's not like good for you. Some people will say good for you, but the first instinct usually is, is oh, are you sure? Is it that big of a deal? So we've been socially trained, particularly I think this is true for women. I think men have far more leeway and social like acceptance and cultural acceptance around kind of saying not good enough. I think women are supposed to acquiesce a little bit more and to play nice and to be more understanding. And of course, those are like, you know, broad generalizations. But I do feel it more... Um, more clearly, I think, as a woman when I do it. And I definitely think that I get looked at like differently when I do it. Um, some people will be like, wow, you said something or, you know, you see that just that nod of recognition and hopefully sometime respect. But so often the other side of this isn't what will people think? 
or what will people say about me? And I know at restaurants, it's like, are they going to spit in my food when it comes back? What are they going to do to my food? Because it's this idea that there's going to be a consequence to saying something. That if we speak up for ourselves, if we stand up for our boundaries, how we expect to be treated, the services we expect to be delivered, and we complain when it doesn't, when our needs don't get met that somehow we're going to be consequenced, punished, or treated unfairly. The flip side of that is if we get past all that mindset stuff, if we just kind of instinctively know our worth and we say something, what the hell do we say? How do we stand up for ourselves without being jerks, without causing undue conflict, without causing a fight, particularly when you're mad as hell? Because honestly, like walking into my unit last night, thinking we were getting ready to put our place on the market this weekend and realizing now we're probably at least half a week out, but more realistically a week out, I was pissed. And how do I get on the phone with somebody who doesn't even have anything to do with my unit, my carpets, my bathroom, any of it? She's just the poor sucker who answers the phone in customer service. I can't be rude to her, even though I have all those feelings. And I think that's what happens for people, is how do we manage our feelings and how do we find the words we need to say? Rather than avoiding that problem and sitting with the unanswered question, we've got to answer it for ourselves. We have to tune into who we are, how we move through the world, and what we need to say in order to find the right words for ourselves. In this scenario, everyone's going to tell you to just simply stop and think, right? You're going to get the lecture and the mantra to take 10 deep breaths, to take a moment, walk away, pace it out a bit, get your mind clear before you get on the phone. And I get that. And that obviously is, you know, one of the most important steps is you want to get really clear on what you want to say before you start the conversation. But the thing that a lot of people forget is you also have to get clear before you start the conversation, what will resolution look like? So often we lose our gumption, we lose our nerve, we lose our confidence mid-conversation because somebody says to us, how can we fix it? And we don't know. And suddenly it's, ah, it's no big deal, I'll be fine. And we start to swallow the words and we start to take it back. So before you start the conversation, get really clear on what it is you want. In the example of my floors, I wasn't really sure. There was this part of me that just wanted all my money back so I could go and find people who could fix it. But there was also this sense of maybe the company deserves a chance to get it right. So what I said to the woman was this, I led with a question. And so often when people are pissed off and feeling taken advantage of and feeling put upon, they just lead with the story. When you're calling and you're following up with somebody, it's a good idea to lay the groundwork by asking the question. In this scenario, I knew I wasn't talking to the people who cleaned my floors, but if you had hired a coach who overpromised or underdelivered, if you hired somebody who was going to do your advertising and marketing for you who was overpromising and underdelivering, this scenario is the same. You lay the groundwork to have the conversation. So I said to the woman, hi, my name is Heather Gray. Your company recently 
recently serviced my unit. I'm not happy with the results. I'm wondering what the procedure is for talking to somebody about how we can rectify it. And the woman automatically gave me information and she started, you know, clearly with the script of what to say when people call and complain. And I just treated her like a person. We have to remember that if we're talking to somebody who is not immediately responsible for the delivery of the product or service, we're going to hold ourselves with self-respect and self-regard if we treat everyone with that same level of respect or acknowledgement. And so I started and I just led with nice and said, this is what we didn't like. And then when she tried to simplify it and say, oh, it's just this, I said, well, let me get clear. I have a series of six to seven pictures that I can send you if you would like, but are you the person I'm supposed to be talking to about this? That's the first thing you want to do. You want to make sure that before you waste your time, before you have that hard conversation, make sure you're having the hard conversation with the right person. She let me know that it's her business's mentality and product, you know, in sort of mode of operation that she files the complaint. She lets the district manager know, and then the district manager will follow up with me. So then I laid it out in no uncertain terms. I do not feel as though I got my money's worth. I do not feel like the services promised were the services rendered. I'm deeply unsatisfied with the service delivery of this. I didn't sugarcoat it. I was crystal clear and left no room for doubt. You don't want to say things when you're unhappy with a product or service. Well, it was kind of good, or I know you tried your best, and I know that, like, you know, there were some interruptions in this, and I know you couldn't have that happen. You don't want to lead with understanding. You want to just be clear and unapologetic about the problem. You don't have to name or blame. You don't have to swear or curse or, you know, whatever, even though, like I said to you earlier, they did a shit job. I don't need to lead with that. <laughs> It doesn't really open up the listening ears for whoever you're talking to. It just opens up the defensiveness. And then I left the conversation as is. And I'll talk to the district manager, and I'll be crystal clear with the district manager. But in that conversation, I know that I want some parts of this done over, and I know that I want money back on other parts that I simply don't trust them to touch again. I know that before I'm having the conversation. I haven't even opened up my mouth yet to the person I really need to talk to, but that's what I'm walking you through right now, setting you up for success for the hard conversation. If you know you're someone who loses their words easily, if you know you're somebody who starts to become apologetic halfway through standing up for themselves, or you lose your train of thought, write it down. Get clear and organized for yourself what the issues are, why they're an issue, and what you expect resolution to be. Set yourself up for the conversation because you're, withhold, you're holding your own boundary here. You're standing up for yourself and you get to do whatever you need to do, however you need to do it, in order to get it done right for you. That's the whole point. Now, what happens when they feel bad, right? That's the other thing. That's why it's hard to call people out. That's why it's hard to complain. That's why it's hard to just make noise about something because it makes people feel bad. Here's the thing. 
if I overpromise and I underdeliver and somebody tells me so, I'm supposed to feel bad. That's my conscience kicking in and saying, hey, you phoned it in on day one and two. Hey, you didn't do this. Obviously, I'll walk through the, the process of whether or not it's a valid complaint, whether or not it's something I need to own, et cetera, et cetera. But compl- choosing not to complain because you're worried about how it's going to make someone else feel, you don't, that, that's not the worry you want to have. Because you actually want them to feel bad. Not that you're wishing bad feelings upon them, but like they should feel bad if they delivered something of poor value and poor substance. The natural consequence of not living up to a promise you made is that you feel bad. That's your conscience. That's what motivates you to not do it again. That's what helps you be more honest, hopefully, going forward. We need people we're talking to about services and products they've provided to feel a little bad when they te- we tell them they haven't measured up. We need them to give a shit, right? We don't want them to be like, okay, lady, whatever you say, on to the next client. You know, we're a major company. We don't really need your money. Here's your refund check. Bye. We want people to care, to show up for ourselves for, and for themselves. And so we don't want to stop just because it might feel bad for somebody to hear. And now, yes, I went, I'm going to tell you right away, like it is easier for me after a major investment to complain to a company because I don't imagine the company has feelings. I don't even imagine I'm ever going to have to deal with those cleaners again. I'm sure they'd send new people to redo the job and I'm sure they're not the person that's going to get on the phone with me. Any of that. I never deal with them again. When we're dealing with one-on-one service providers like, you know, your accountant or your ads person or your house cleaner or, you know, anybody that you work with on that one-on-one basis, it absolutely is a little more nerve-wracking when you know specifically the person whose feelings you might be hurting. Again, that's not a reason not to do it, but you recognize it. And you don't drill the point home to make them feel bad. You simply lay out the facts. This is what you promised. This is what I was given. It doesn't add up. And then you walk into the conversation and you use as much transparent language as possible. Instead of worrying about what they think, instead of wondering what they're going to think of you in any of that, you tell them what they need to know. When you and I started working together, you told me I was going to get A, B, and C. As a result, I expected D, E, and F. These are the things I've done, but this is what's not working. This is what hasn't happened, and these are the results I'm not getting. This is why I'm dissatisfied. I'm wondering if we can have a conversation because I'd really like to see this result. Don't piggyback the resolution with the problem. Stick with the problem. Make sure you're crystal clear and you've opened the door for the person to listening to hear you and to be able to reflect back what it is you've said. You don't want to move to resolution until you're clear that the person understands your complaint. Once you feel the person you're talking to has a solid and clear understanding of the problem, 
then you can move towards resolution and you can come up with some kind of compromise. You can meet them halfway. You can, you know, ask for your money back. You can ask for more time. The ask and the resolution is really hard to talk about or describe in a podcast episode without knowing your specific solution. I can tell you that in mine, I want them to do over some parts and then I just want my money back for others. And whether or not I get that, because, you know, I'm not going to get what I want necessarily. I'm just coming to the conversation prepared with what I'm asking for and hoping that that works out. Then you engage in a conversation with the person. Person in some kind of negotiation until you come up with a final answer that you can you know, live with. And I think so much of this is starting the conversation. I can tell you that when I look back on times that I regret, I don't regret resolutions that didn't leave me satisfied. I regret the times I never spoke up. The times I was like, hmm, I didn't really get what I paid for here and I'm just gonna let that one go. That's what gets in my craw. That's what feels bad because it's that choice that makes us feel small. It's that choice and that decision that makes us think we're not worthy of good service. And when we start to accept that on any kind of repetitive basis, even if it only happens two or three times in a year, we're telling the world how we expect to be treated and we start to act accordingly. We don't change that story about ourselves until we get crystal clear on who we are, how we move through the world, and what we want to have happen next, and what we're willing to do to ensure that that happens. There's a lot of people listening here who have been misled, overpromised, and underdelivered. I'm going to come at you with a challenge today. I want you to think about the last time you didn't get what you wanted. The last time someone over-delivered or under-delivered, over-promised, et cetera, et cetera, and you didn't say something. How does it feel now? How are you sitting in it? And is there an opportunity here to do it over? So many times we tell ourselves if we don't say something in the moment, we can't ever say something. And that's how this pattern exists, right? Because we don't always catch it right away. Or we don't always know that seven days later, we're still going to be pissed off by something. So we, we just get in this awful habit of not saying anything. I'm curious if you simply lead the conversation with, hey, this happened X amount of time ago. I know I should have said something at the time. I thought I could let it go, but I have to be honest with you that I'm still feeling kind of bummed out about it. I'm still feeling disappointed. I'm still feeling misled. And I'm not going to sit right with myself until I say something. Is it okay if we go back? Would you mind having a conversation about the service you provided, the product you delivered? You know, insert the appropriate thing here. Um, that's how you start the conversation after you should have had it a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. I've done that like with months in between the event where I'm like, oh, it's really not that big of a deal. And then months later, I find myself still talking about it or, you know, like wanting to write a Yelp review or something. You can always go back. You can always hit the rewind button. I know that most of us don't live in a VCR world anymore, but we still can hit rewind. We can still go back to the beginning. We still can have that fresh start. I encourage you to know and own your worth. 
And that includes knowing the worth of the things you're investing in, including yourself. If it's not measuring up, if you're not getting what you paid for, you've got to speak up and say something. If you're unclear as to how, you need some words to get going, message me over at heather at choosetohaveitall.com and I'll get you started. Thanks so much for joining me today. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thank you.